It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Uh, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Well, today we are once again joined by the Babylon Lurker. Say hello to Yan. Hey, Yan. Welcome back. Thank oh, you. once again, Jan. And hello to everyone. Jan's going to be joining us for this episode and the next one. Cool. Today we are here to discuss episode 10 of season 1, Believers. But first, here's an ISN report. This is an ISN special report. Five were dead and 29 wounded, as what started as a peaceful conference today ended with a hostage standoff and indiscriminate killing. The Believers, a steadily growing religious organization, were having their annual interplanetary conference aboard Babylon 5. On the agenda was the contentious issue of who was allowed to become a leader in the Church of Bieber, in Belieber religious parlance, a boyfriend. According to current rules, only those descended from persons proved to have been in the presence of their god, Justin Bieber, are allowed to ascend to boyfriend status. With the rapidly growing non-Earth membership, especially and inexplicably among the Narn race, these rules have been increasingly viewed as speciesist. According to survivors of the bloodbath, when it became clear that negotiations over changing the leadership rules would reach a stalemate, a militant Belieber sect composed primarily of Narns abducted the High Priestess, aka Baby O. The sect stated that if the rules were not changed, they would remove her eardrum so that she could no longer listen to the sacred Belieber hymns. Despite the intervention of Commander Jeffrey Sinclair, who infiltrated the Belieber conference dressed in the ceremonial baggy clothing and baseball caps of a boyfriend, a large group of Beliebers attacked the radical sect with spoo forks, who retreated while shouting the Belieber motto, Never Say Never. What followed was, according to survivor reports, a massacre. Among the dead were two Narns, two Earthers, and the lone Vorlon at the conference. We will be following this story closely. In other news, a boy was killed by his parents after what was thought to be a life-saving surgery actually turned him into a soulless demon. Thank you and good night. Believers originally aired on April 27, 1994. It was directed by Richard Compton, who directed The War Prayer, Midnight on the Firing Line, and that wonderful episode, Infection. Ah, my favorite. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it was written by David Gerald or Gerald G E R R O L D. He was Is that Geraldine. I'm sorry. Is would that be Geraldine? Pronounced Geraldine or Geraldine? I know. It's just Gerald. No, right. Ryan. I but, think it's Gerald, but I'm not sure. 
He was the story. He was a story editor on Land of the Lost, and he wrote the famous Trouble with Tribble episodes of the original Star Trek series, as long as some other stuff. He's been involved in a lot of Star Trek shows, and he's written novels as well, I believe. And he will be coming to Europe this May at the FETCON convention. Oh, nice. Just hold any B5 fans away from him. Otherwise, <laughs> there'll be trouble, won't there? Why? Um, well, um, it's not a spoiler to say this episode isn't the best. Nope. <laughs> what? It's not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that, um, I don't know. I guess I'm sort of surprised and sort of not surprised that JMS didn't write this. Um, I mean, not, yeah. I'm not sure he even script edited it. I think yeah. he must have pushed this on to someone else because, yeah, yeah, there's a spark missing from this. Well, I suppose we should get into it. Sorry, Elizabeth. Oh, it's okay. No, I just mean I'm surprised because it serves a weighty topic, but on the other hand, I'm not surprised because it's kind of muddled. <laughs> so, yeah. I can see this being an episode of a Star Trek series, definitely. Yeah, well, um, there's Except a- for the ending. Yeah, except for the ending. Yeah, they, they might have twisted the ending, but I've got to say, there's theory out there that, yeah, this is just a reworked um, Star Trek script that the writer was too lazy to put much work into. And so that's why, all you know, Franklin sounds so much like McCoy. It's because it was written for McCoy. Oh, really? That could that's be. a fan theory out there, and I uh-huh. subscribe to it because just the way all the characters are written, they sound so much like lines that could come out of original series Star Trek characters. Mm-hmm. So this, they're saying that this was a Star Trek episode that was never produced, and they think possibly it was reworked to be a Babylon 5 episode? Yeah, that's a fan theory, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's only a small fan theory I've heard in some circles. It's not. I don't know if it's a widely held fan theory. I'll clarify on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying it's like a cult belief? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm, not a, I'm well, not a member of that cult. <laughs> I was going to say, well, yeah, why don't you ask him that when you see him? <laughs> like, uh, <did> he, you... <laughs> there, there is actually a, a, a panel with him on it. So uh, that's one of the questions I would like to, uh, to, to get up there. Awesome. Well, this episode begins with Dr. Franklin seeing a young patient. The patient wonders if he's going to die, but the parents say if it's meant to happen, it will. To get all the guest stars out of the way now, since they all show up in this first scene, the mother, I, you know, I didn't really remember any of their names. I just said, oh, the mother, the father, the boy. But the mother, I think is Mola. She was played by Trisha O'Neill, who was in Titanic, but she was... In the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Yesterday's Enterprise, she played the captain of the Enterprise C, which was the first time we saw a female captain of an Enterprise ship. She looked kind of familiar, but I, I don't know her from that. Yeah, I was just going to make a smart Alec comment saying not only have we got recycled Star Trek script, but we've got recycled Star Trek actors. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many Star Trek actors in Babylon 5. Yes. You wouldn't believe it. 
the father was played by Stephen Lee. He's been in over 200 TV shows. He's had recurring roles in some of them. The son, Sean, was played by Jonathan Charles Kaplan. He's still around. He was in that CBS show Hostages last year. And I don't know, was she a nurse or a doctor's assistant or whatever she... Um, she's played by Silvana Gallardo. That She played Maya Hernandez. She's had a lot of guest roles. She created the Gallardo Method, which is a method of acting where... There are no boundaries. There are no limits. There simply is the art of infinite possibility. Oh. Mm-hmm. I thought she was just another doctor. I didn't know. I wasn't uh, really saying attention. So. Uh, I think she is a doctor. Okay. Mm-hmm. But she did pass away in 2012. Same. Aww. Your Michael O'Hare died. So Dr. Franklin assures the boy that he'll be able to breathe easier soon and he'll grow up to be strong. The parents don't like what the doctor's saying because they say, you know, you can never know what'll happen. And they want to speak to Dr. Franklin privately and find out that there's no treatment on their world for what the boy has and he's going to die soon. And he's the last chance for their family to carry on. And the father doesn't want to acknowledge his feelings to a stranger. They have, you know, different beliefs. But the doctor assures them that the boy's condition is treatable by surgery, but they don't want this to happen it's against their beliefs. They say food animals are cut open. The chosen of God can't be cut open. And then we go to opening credits. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> I was actually really pleased by the opening credits this week. It's just, oh, that's familiar. That's <laughs> very, very familiar. That's refreshing from this awful stilted dialogue. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm really, really dislike this episode and that's <laughs> being mild it, uh, oh. it just, my notes are just littered with things like oh bad dialogue please stop the dialogue please it's just littered with things like that but it's just, oh you should all yeah, just communicate the, with their eyes <laughs> yeah it's not that it's not that everything has to be original but this episode the I would have been fine with the religion and them having different beliefs but when they started basically going into details with the egg and the scrolls and the parables the they children just, of the egg yeah all that oh but mumbo- i thought that was done for a reason yeah but it just kind of made me cringe sometimes if they could just get across that they have different beliefs and they don't want their son to be operated on without all this stuff that just sounded weird to me it's just awkward I'm and yeah, and we've already explored alien religions so far on the show, and they seem more subtle than this. They seem more layered and intricate than this heavy-handed use of religion here. Yeah, we've never heard... I mean, we didn't ever find out what planet they were from, right? It was just another like sort of world that came up just to drive the theme, you know, without having any real impact on the main Yeah, and this isn't main a... Characters. This is a this is a minor spoiler, but it doesn't matter. You're not going to see these ever again. <laughs> That's a good spoiler. Children of Time, or whatever they're called. Children of the Egg. Uh, yeah. Even. Which yeah, came first? The... Oh, never mind, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The children of the Egg. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't... I enjoy these kind of, you know, like, medical ethical dilemmas because one of my actual areas of study is healthcare administration. So, like, I enjoy these 
types of stories, but kind of how Elizabeth pointed out in the commentary, like every medical show has this story. And uh, of course it's taken farther in this, which I kind of liked, but like Ian said, the writing is just so bad that it doesn't make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Or you, you can't even connect with these characters. You can't feel sympathy for them because yeah, I like of Sean. that tilted dialogue. Yeah, I like the boy, but that's it. Just about. Just about, though. It, it, but I think that is probably more performance than the dialogue. Yes, yes. Really. Definitely because I like the actor. Like he, I thought he did a really good job with it, and he was sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Often child actors are, are tricky to work with. Huh? Mm. I'm sure. So we're back, and in the CNC, Ivanova informs Sinclair that they've received a distress signal from the Asimov, which I believe was the same ship that Dr. Franklin arrived on in Soul Hunter. The ship I know that- they brought it up a couple times, I think. Yeah. I think I've heard the name of that ship a couple times. The ship is in Raider territory in a Funny exchange, Ivanova convinces Sinclair to let her take her fighter wing to escort the Asimov back to the base. She's gotten stir crazy. Okay, so raiders are like space pirates, basically? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they travel together, I guess. I mean, in groups? Looks like Yeah, they seem to use fighters rather than one big ship. Uh Uh-huh. They must have a big ship, though. I guess. Can we get this out of the way now? Does anybody know why this plot was here? I think you got it in your commentary. Just to fill time. (laughs) They had five extra minutes. and (laughs) So it it looked like this was actually going to be really good. Because this scene was great. And then the rest of it was like, okay, why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Literally, I think some of the shots are five seconds long. Of a Barnabas, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it's one scene at the beginning to set up what she's doing, one scene at the end to say she's back, and then a couple of s- small snippets here and there on the way. And we didn't even pre- get to see the actual fight. <laughs> no, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah, a report about it. A really small report. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down a note from the Lurkers guy. He was saying... There was a need to really tighten up the story, which could be best done by bringing in a small B story, which would allow us to streamline and intensify the main story. So I wrote the B story and slipped it in. No, I don't. Oh, think so JMS did do a bit of work on this then, or was that no. the original author? I think it was JMS. Okay. <laughs> he said that bringing this unrelated and really shallow plot in would tighten up the story. <laughs> I, no, I don't think so. I just think it gives you a five-second breather from the really awful dialogue, and so you can uh, you can you can just about relax yourself before you plunge right back into <laughs> the mirror. No, but because I wanted it's not more relaxed. of it. <laughs> yeah. That was because, the problem. Like I wanted yeah. to see Ivanova more. It was. I like... know, I know, but all you get is a five-second breather to catch your breath, really, don't you? No, because you have to spend your mental energy trying to figure out what's happening. And then by the time you figure out what's happening, you have to go start figuring out what's happening in the next scene. Yeah, and... I, su- I suppose I've, I've seen this um, a few times. And, you know, after the first time, you know this is, isn't going anywhere. So you use it as breathing space because you right, know it's I not going so. anywhere. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 
most of the time, I either skip this episode outright or fast forward through it. Just just watch it and fast forward. <laughs> yeah. That's all you really need to do. Put the put the subtitles on so I don't have to hear the dialogue delivered. Oh, just you get to read, read the it. even more generic subtitles. Yeah, yeah. But it gets through the episode much quicker, much easier. And then you can just stop on the fun little uh, bitch with the ambassadors we get later. But we'll be coming to that in a while. I put off. I kept putting off my second viewing just because I didn't want to watch it again and have to take you know detailed notes about it. And even when I did, I had to stop it about halfway through, go do something else for a while, and then come back to it. Yeah, there's really not a lot of detailed notes you can take. No, which is why we're just discussing the overall episode. <laughs> <laughs> How about, it works for this one, I guess. How about this? Let's just listen to Justin Bieber's song. Smile. Back to the episode, unfortunately. Um, in Med Bay, Hernandez is explaining how easy the boy's procedure is to the parents. They, they understand, but say this is what veterinarians do to animals on their home world. She kind of insults their religion and starts to leave. Dr. Franklin stops and says there might be another way, but it will be longer and it will be more expensive. They say cost isn't an issue to them. This is where the father makes some joke about, did he say humans are the descendants of egg-sucking mammals or something like that? Yeah. 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 uh, uh, (laughs) He's not a very strong (laughs) guy. The doctor explains this new procedure and the parents go off to talk about it and Franklin and Hernandez argue and he doesn't like how she insulted their beliefs but she knows the doctor's procedure won't work but he's just trying to give them time to arrive at the right conclusion. They come back, the parents come back and agree to the procedure even though the chances of it being successful are small. So this was like the fake procedure he was making up? Mm-hmm. Okay. But... At the same time, I mean, not completely, but it seems to me that Hernandez and Franklin's position switch by the end of the episode. And they start arguing this position, whereas right. Hernandez wants to go for the procedure and Franklin said, respect the beliefs of the parents. And then by the well, end, no, he end of the episode, he did want to go flipped. for the procedure, but he wanted to do it in a more roundabout way, like try to get them to agree to it. He wanted to lie to them where she just wanted to insult their beliefs. So both of them are being horrible doctors. Yes, yes, they are. I wish we had known her before this. I mean, this is the first time we've ever seen her, right? Like she hasn't been in the background or anything before and I just missed her. I believe so. Yeah. So having her come out and say that like right away, (laughs) I I just had to make up my own backstory for her. (laughs) She's she's obviously seen this many times before and is tired of seeing kids die or people die because they're believe I don't know. Um, And and Ian, I totally get what you're saying, because I think during the commentary, I was like, well, what just happened here? Because wasn't before she saying like this and now she's saying this like it. It did seem like she completely there, switched positions. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be much character continuity. Yeah. It, and, I mean, I know I'm skipping way forward, but Stephen should have done his own research and researched them properly before he did anything. This is so bad. Agreed. <laughs> uh-huh. 
it doesn't it wouldn't take much <laughs> research to find out if you do the operation you're gonna kill him because if he doesn't die from the operation his parents are gonna kill him right catch 22 yeah yeah it, it, uh, hmm. yeah it's just really bad practice and it's just it's just bad characterization and bad writing and just it's I just, just wish JMS, yeah, I just wish JMS had had more time to edit the script. I know it's the first series, and he's got to sort a lot of things out. And I know he's got other episodes that he's writing himself, but this script just needed that extra bit of time just to have another draft and just make it better, please, just make <laughs> it better. Yeah, and this was the fifth episode produced that may have something oh, to do really? with it. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, they really switched a lot of episodes around. Right. But have we ever, has Franklin ever discussed religion before? His belief systems, I mean? His... I don't no, think so. No, he hasn't. It was very weird. I still am not quite sure what they were saying about him in terms of what he believes. The uh, other doctor was saying he only believed in science and that that was his religion. Right, medicine, and then... But then he yeah, was meant to then, be God. Then, yeah, I know. But, again, I don't like this intro. I'm, I'm sure I might be channeling, channeling a bit of Brad from Intro to X here, but science is not a religion. Yeah, no, I know. I know. that. It, but, yeah, it's just... It's a line of dialogue that is so cliched and just gets thrown out there so many times without caring yeah. of Thoughts. I mean, uh, it's, it's way he, yeah. it's where he's coming from, but it's not like a belief system, really. I mean, yes, and it, it really thing. does. Yeah, and this is an example of why people think it's a lie, a script from original Star Trek, because that's all about you know lack of religion in the future. Whereas B five mm. tries to incorporate religion as something that's not gone away yet, and other like other races have their religions and you know it's it's part of the universe whereas this script doesn't quite fit in that dynamic mm-hmm. it's you know it's maybe kind of, because so, yeah, maybe sorry, because yeah. it's an early script yeah perhaps that too uh, well, if you can't also, tell already oh, I don't like this episode oh okay I was wondering <laughs> oh really <laughs> but the other thing is also you know, I I think I've mentioned before, I don't like when they portray a culture or race as being homogenous. Like, the way it came off to me is their, their entire race believes in the same thing, which is the, the egg or whatever. And as far as I can tell, pretty much most of the alien races seem to be homogenous in their belief systems. And then you have the Parliament of Dreams episode where... Sinclair presents all the different religions on Earth, so I'm, I'm wondering if this show is trying to say that Earth is unique in that way, or if they're just being lazy. I don't know. It just could be Series 1 troubles. They're trying to work out the kinks as well. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, series 1 does have its own set of problems to deal with. Because yeah. wouldn't it have been interesting if they had come at it like maybe Franklin is of a religion that's not uh, the main dominant religion of the culture that JMS is from or the, the show is produced from. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were referencing, I'm guessing the Abrahamic God, but 
it would be interesting to see coming from a different perspective. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's nothing that could have saved this episode. But well, and I was just thinking that um, you would think by like this time in the future and dealing with different alien races, not just like different cultures on Earth, that the healthcare system would have progressed mm-hmm. forward, not backwards. I mean, because like there's cultural diversity training in healthcare now and these ethical dilemmas come up with that I mean so mm-hmm. it's just like okay there, there's no movement forward in the future and you're dealing with alien races mm-hmm. yeah yeah there should yeah, be no, an episode I, or something about it or <laughs> uh, no, what you mean, uh, I, I think it might have to be uh, due to the fact that it's military run station and um, technically, maybe it's run by some bureaucratic government oversight thing that's kind of saying, right, you've got to earn your keep. You've got to pay for this station any way you can. So, charge for medical fees. It might be a one-off. We don't know. Um, but you're right. There's no explanation yet for that. And they, I really would like that explained myself. I... I I'm trying. I can't remember off the top of my head whether this did actually happen. Uh, I'll say that now. Even as an experienced viewer, I can't remember. There are some things I forget about the series, so I'd be interested to see whether this happens. This is dealt with in the future. Because there are a few things that you know. It's a five-year-long story. Sometimes you do forget one or two things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've forgotten a lot of things. Once we got a few minutes into the episode, I did remember how, how the ending, but... Um, so next we see Susan Lee with her squadron and go through the jump gate, and then we're back in Med Bay, and <laughs> <laughs> the doctor explains the situation to the child. Uh, his parents don't want their son... Uh, this is where I think the parents are getting kind of ridiculous. They don't want him to read any of the educational materials because they display a false belief system. They started going and talking about the scrolls. And um, the doctor gives him a present, a, what do you call it, a galopic egg? To take, galopic egg. Yeah. To take care galopic. of. Yeah, yeah and, and I was thinking, yes, if this was Star Trek, he would have given it a triple. <laughs> <laughs> As parents, I don't know what that is. I don't oh. either. Oh. Oh, my. I mean, I've obviously heard of them and seen them everywhere, but I don't actually know what it is. His parents allow him to keep the egg. In the Zocalo, Franklin and Hernandez are talking. Uh, the doctor basically gave him industrial goo, and she calls the doctor out saying that he doesn't mind superstition as long as it's his superstition. Their god is a great egg. His god is medicine. But he argues that he produces measurable, testable results. But she doesn't think he did any good, just delayed the inevitable. Yeah, I uh, guess this is where you're, you're coming from, where she was kind of, I don't know, changing the way she was approaching things. Because at first she was like, your, your belief system is crazy. And then she's telling him that he's just talking, just saying that, that uh, that because he believes it's a different thing and I don't know mm. or his god is medicine yeah uh, the dialogue <laughs> certainly not JMS no. 
So up in Sinclair's office, Sinclair, Garibaldi, and Franklin are talking about expenses and whatnot. And there's a reference in this scene to another one of the authors, to one of the author's novels that JMS decided just to leave in. Something about the, the Shakespeare sh- thing? Yeah, the Shakespeare thing. Okay, I was wondering, like, what am I missing here? <laughs> <laughs> Garibaldi asks about the kid. He's going to die. Um, Sinclair explains that he can't really do anything because ordering Dr. Franklin to do it would establish a president. And Franklin counters with that he already did it with Kosh, and it's already shown that the safety of one person outweighs legal concerns, but doing this would give up any pretense of neutrality and hurt the station. Uh, the doctor could make an official request, but Sinclair wants him to find another way. And before he leaves, the doctor says, this isn't going away, and neither will he. I thought this was strange because uh, he doesn't bring it up until Garibaldi asks about it. So it's not like he was there for the purpose of talking about this. It was, mm-hmm. it was weird because then he got so passionate about it and was like, well, I'm not going to give up on this. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. He was there to get the steak that they bet. Okay, how did yeah, he really, he was there for the steak. <laughs> I will say he did look pretty handsome in, uh, in the Zocalo with his vest and everything. <laughs> that plus. Not quite so bad 90s fashion there then. Yeah, looked pretty good. Next we see Ivanova and her squadron arrive at the Azimov's last location. Then we're back to Med Bay. <laughs> <laughs> laugh every time. I'm like, seriously? Dr. Franklin is talking to the boy. The boy knows he isn't doing well. They're not fooling him. His parents realize he's getting weaker, and they blame Dr. Franklin. He begs them to let him save the boy, and he tells them that he's going to ask Sinclair to suspend their parental authority so he can do the operation. He's going to do what he has to do, and they're going to do what they have to do. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you knew there was going to be a twist, you know, like something would go wrong with the operation or something would happen afterwards. I think even at this point, I was saying he's just going to do it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. were. Yeah, yeah he's sick. I mean, I'm not sure he's even trying to hide the fact that he is. Because, yeah, he, he outright said, you do what you've got to do, I'll do what I've got to do. Yeah. So right. that's clearly saying, I'm going to go ahead with this surgery anyway. <laughs> right. Next, we see Ivanova and her crew find the Asimov and make contact, and then we're in Sinclair's office. <laughs> As the parents are speaking to Sinclair. He wishes they had an ambassador there, but since they don't, he has to be their advocate, and he's going to make his decision within 24 hours. The father promises to kill Dr. Franklin if Dr. Franklin touches their child. Actually, it was more cryptic than that. I think he said, I will kill him. And then I thought later, I wonder if they were trying to make you think he was talking about Dr. Franklin, oh. but he was really talking about his son. Oh. Oh. I didn't think That's of a good that. point. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Should have seen it coming. Uh, so this next is a scene that I really liked where we see the parents speak to all the major ambassadors. Yeah. Yes. I think this was trend- my favorite thing. Yeah. 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 This is one of two things I like about the episode. Well, just... Yeah, I I was going to say that each of the encounters reveals something about each of the races and each of the ambassadors, doesn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. So, Jakar refuses because they don't have anything to offer 
refuses to help because they don't have anything to offer the non-regime. That was funny where you said, I never even heard of you guys until you <laughs> arrived on the station. Mm-hmm. Just like us. Uh, Londo refuses. Well, hold on one second. Okay. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, technically, the the jump and the jump cut or the transition to this scene was great because it just transitioned right into a extreme close-up of Jakar's face and I just thought that was uh, I don't know I just really like that transition a lot so I want yeah. to say that yeah and um, there's a line actually in next week episode that kind of typifies the non-response here I'm not going to go into it but yeah it, this is what good is this going to do the non-regime you're just one small family of an insignificant race I've never heard of what good can you be to the Nam regime for me to do this for you? Uh-huh. And everything we've seen of Jakar up until now informs that response. You you know, you almost know what his response is going to be before he gives it. Uh-huh. And then he also said his research staff acknowledged their arrival. So I was like, okay, he clearly has people just watching the arrival bay like constantly. Because it wasn't it in the last episode, the episode before, where he was where. With, oh yeah, Deathwalker. Death yeah, yeah. So they go speak to Londo, and he refuses because they don't have enough money to offer because it would take a lot of expense to do the research and everything. Yeah, and this one again, the Centauri. At this all point, about the money. yeah, it's all <laughs> about the money. It's all about they once had a great empire. It's not so great now. It's a theme park ride, as he said in the pilot. They need the money to prop up their failing empire. Can you give it to us? In which case, we'll do anything for you. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite sure. This was a little bit of a stretch because I can't imagine how expensive it could be. But I was thinking he was... At first, I was thinking more if he was talking about expense, like like they're using up one of their vetoes or their, you know, like that kind of expense. Like, you know, if we use this, then we don't have it for the future, you know, to say, to put an injunction or whatever. But then he started talking about actual money, and that's when I was like, okay, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But Yeah, because they yeah. said that they had plenty of money. Yeah, that's true. And I was like, how much real money would it cost, uh, this, this situation? I don't quite get well, that. Plus, also, it sounds like if they went for the Centauri option, it'd take more than a day. Probably yeah. take a month to get sorted <laughs> through all committees. the... Yeah. yeah. Through the bureaucracy. So next they go and speak to Bieber, I mean, Kosh, and he <laughs> says, they want to know, what do they yeah, say? Yeah, don't, don't t- say what he says. Oh, I was um, going to, you want to say it now? Or they, yeah, because I've actually got it as a quote. Okay. I was, there's not many quotes in this episode. Okay. No. <laughs> we'll talk about the meaning later then, but he just, they, he just says something really cryptic. Of course and, he does. Yep. Yeah. And I kind of like how they, I don't know if they did this for each one, but the transition from Kosh to Delin I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, before we do go, I think one bit of script editing that JMS did here is putting the line of dialogue about what if it was him who went under an unwarranted procedure. Right. But as we all know, he, he that's exactly what happened to him. But right. he's so cryptic and mysterious, he's not going to mention that. Not going to go into that. To give them, you know, any sort of leverage or power. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the meaning of this later, Will, you said? Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. remind me when we do quotes. Okay. Um, 
thanks, Will. As I said, there really isn't many good lines in this story, and I just want to have one for my quote so someone steal <laughs> my other one. I think I only got one in this episode as well. I um, actually yeah. have like four Wow. I know. <laughs> so then uh, they go speak to Delenn, and she's you know, using their beliefs to not get involved. They don't want to get involved in matters of the soul. She, you know, who, I don't know if this is a quote, but she kind of asks whose belief is correct and how do we prove it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one seems like the most developed of all, the one that, you know, it asks the audience to ask a question that they're probably already asking, but if you've not thought of it already... Here's the point of the episode. And she said something that made me think about Soul Hunter, maybe about you know what the Soul Hunters tried to do to them to get to mm-hmm. Cot Soul. Yeah, because she was saying we've basically she said we've experienced people trying to interfere or with us or with our beliefs or something like that. I, I'm not saying it verbatim. I don't remember right. exactly the words, but it was something to that effect. Yeah, and so they don't interfere with us people's beliefs or get involved in those sorts of conflicts apparently but they're not and above again, forcing marriage on somebody through their own religious ceremony <laughs> 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 well yeah it, 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 <laughs> you don't have to acknowledge the veracity of that yeah, yeah you're right there there does seem to be an awful lot of hypocrisy going around in this episode though perhaps it's in the air system or something uh, next, we see Ivanova and her crew detect a raider ship, and they hope to avoid it. And back in the Zocalo, <laughs> Sinclair and Garibaldi are talking. Sinclair is having a hard time making his decision, and he contacted Earth Central, and they basically passed the buck back to him. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, the most interesting thing in the scene is, what is that blue stuff he's not eating? <laughs> <laughs> Because he's clearly got it in front of him. He's picking at it, but he clearly doesn't want to eat it. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, Earth Central only wants to be involved when it's beneficial for them. So they yeah. don't care about this. Death yeah. Walker. They got involved in that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So Perhaps that, maybe they're thinking if they get involved in this one and they say, yes, go ahead with the procedures, the Warlords are going to go come and blow up the kid. <laughs> Because, of course, that's, you know, they get involved in anything and the Vorlons come along and mess it up for them. Look at what happened in The Gathering, look at what happened in Deathwalker. That would have been an interesting ending. (laughs) (laughs) F a little repetitive. (laughs) Well, that could just happen every episode. (laughs) (laughs) It never matters because the Vorlons have to blow it up. (laughs) In Med Base, Sinclair speaks to the boy alone. We find out the boy knows that it's not really an egg, it's just a pile of goo. He tells Sinclair that he really wants to live, but he doesn't want to lose his spirit. Sinclair tries to assure him that he'll be okay, but the boy doesn't believe it, and Sinclair wants to hear more more about their beliefs. Yeah, so there's maybe they should have gone further. In this, yeah, there's a bit of metadialogue in this as well, that's kind of funny. That he hasn't seen much of the station outside the main bank, and neither have we in this episode. <laughs> So we're always getting drawn back to Med Bay. We're in the exact position as a kid is. 
I did like that um that he thinks that Dr. Franklin believes that the goo is real. <laughs> yeah, that was but that's kind of a mini metaphor for the whole show, right? I mean, this person thinks how ridiculous it is that you believe that this is uh, real, right? But I'll let you have that belief, yeah. or I'll pretend. Or was he also saying that he d- he knows his parents' beliefs aren't real, but he pretends to believe in it for them? I don't think so. Whatever. I think that he believes it, because... Yeah, I think he believes it as well. But he didn't... He didn't seem uh, panicked when he woke up after his surgery, too. So, like, oh my god, I'm a demon. You know? Well, I think I'll that see. Franklin convinced him that he wasn't. Like, see, you're fine. So his yeah. beliefs weren't super deeply rooted. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, he was in his body and knew that his soul was still there because he was him. Yes. yes. But, and he's young enough not to be fully indoctrinated into the religion yet. He's still able to question a few things, I think. Yeah, that's what I was thinking it was, you know, kind of like that. I mean, yeah. he, it wasn't really even, I mean, maybe it was the acting of the kid, but he wasn't super panicked when he woke up either, you know? He was kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm alive. On that point, I've just had another thought. Well, the station's got to have um, some channels, Membari channels, and if this race think the Membari are the most enlightened, clearly... Most intelligent. Membar- yeah. Clearly, then, Membari st- um, programming and whatever it is should be suitable for him. But it's demonstrating uh, false belief systems. I suppose so. Oh, but also, getting back to the, uh, the metaphor of the industrial goo, um, at the end, also, at the very, very end, sorry to jump ahead, but you see Franklin sitting there um, stroking the goo. And I was thinking... Well, doesn't that mean... I mean, because earlier he had said something about... um, They had had a discussion, and maybe we haven't got to that yet, but uh, it's all right. Um, About, um, you know, what belief means, right? And what it means to the human race. And to me, at the end, like, with him stroking the goo, was like, I'm going to cling to this, or I'm going to believe this, because it makes me feel better. You know, it gives me solace. It gives me, you know, something intangible... I may know intellectually that this is not, you know, anything, the placebo, but it's giving me comfort at this point. I don't know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I thought. <laughs> Elizabeth, yeah, you put uh, way more thought into this than I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Well, yeah, I think it's your first time through the episode. You're able to see the glimmers of hope and little things like that. Whereas someone like me is just frustrated by the whole thing and just can only see the two glimmers of hope in this episode, the Ivanova scene at the beginning, and the ambassador stuff in the middle. Mm-hmm. The rest of it... Uh, I, uh, I just I'm not hope- saying it wasn't a muddled mess. I, I'm just thinking that they were, you know, doing a metaphor with this placebo yeah. thing. Yeah. If I ever start, um, a, yeah, sorry, if I ever start a Babylon 5 like tribute band, I'm going to call it Stroking the Goo. You write that one down. One of many, I think we can go into more band names down the years because there are a couple of times when there's really bad names. Okay. Um. But yeah, I'm honestly I'm surprised how angry I'm getting just discussing this episode. (laughs) Oh, where are we? The boy. Oh, and Sinclair said he had major surgery. Oh. Mm. 
Yeah, and I liked your comment in the <laughs> uh, commentary, really in line with everything else you've said. And oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still wondering what that was because they haven't brought it up before, have they? I don't think so. Oh, no, they haven't. Hmm. Maybe it's like Lister and Red Dwarf, and he had his appendix out twice. <laughs> <laughs> he had a brain transplant or something. I don't know. Um. That would be major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In Sinclair's office, Sinclair and Dr. Franklin debate each other, but in the end, Sinclair refuses to sign the order. And they're going on, like, what makes religion false? And is Franklin right just because they share the same beliefs and whatnot? Well, and, and yeah. this is a, uh, a real ethical dilemma, especially where the boy is old enough to say no, I don't want this surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it Definitely. is based on beliefs that you believe are real or not, it's mm-hmm. still their beliefs. And, and clearly the child is old enough to understand the consequences of his choice there. Mm-hmm. And so really he, his choice should be respected because he understands what, what he's saying, clearly. Because he said he doesn't want to die, but he doesn't mm-hmm. want to lose his soul. So he understands that without the surgery, he's going to die and what that means. Well, I don't want to get into this particular debate, really, but um, there is a reason why children have the same beliefs as their parents, for the most part, under a certain age. And it's not because they're intellectually capable of going between religions and thoughtfully analyzing them and deciding what's for them. So there is that point. I mean, it's not like... He chose that religion on his own. Um, you know, so, that's something that he was yeah, taught from the top. Ta- yeah, the time factor is a problem as well because perhaps if there was more time, that there might be some time to try and explain to the child all the options and that you know to present him with other evidence and to try and you know. Well, I know there must be this thing you're going into why children believe the same thing as their parents but there might have been an option to explore it a bit further if there had been more time but mm-hmm. the problem is you've got the time limit on it and a decision had to be made one way or another because if they waited too long the illness will kill him anyway mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they could have just made the child so young that you know even their own decision wouldn't have been remotely plausible in terms of relying on that as a basis of, you know, yeah as you said um, if he was three years old this would have been a lot harder because you wouldn't have been able to ask the child mm-hmm. um, as it is you can at least get an answer from him even if that's a biased answer mm-hmm. I mean regardless of the strength of the writing this is a way too big of a topic to explore in one episode and I think it would be really hard to make an episode that would really do this topic justice um, of any show really but you know hey they tried so Franklin is upset at the decision for Sinclair (laughs) (laughs) I gave him a shipper name I guess Um, (laughs) what was it? Sinclair (laughs) (laughs) writing it down I have an election. Oh, I better not, but I'm sure there is some. Uh, Sinclair can't violate other beliefs because they conflict with his own. It would set a bad precedent. 
the doctor brings up sing, um, Kosh again, but Kosh was an extraordinary circumstance. They argue some more and they get a call saying that the boy's life signs are dropping. So then they head to Med Bay and the parents are doting on their dying son and they say a bunch more of their mumbo jumbo. <laughs> and Dr. Franklin arrives and the boy gives him his goo back and he tells the parent that the boy needs his rest. You see, at this point, I would have actually, if I was Sinclair, I would have posted security guards in Med Bay and let the parents spend last moments with the child because you know Franklin's going to perform the operation anyway. So mm-hmm. just keep him away from the child. Yeah, he really did. He really should have known. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know where they had to go with this, but yeah, he definitely should have known what was happening, going to happen. Yeah, and I, I know, you know, posting security guards is an extreme option, but you made the decision. You've got to enforce it. So a little later, we see uh, the parents run into the doctor and the parents tell the doctor they're glad he didn't get his way. Franklin tells Hernandez to leave because he's going to do the surgery anyway, even though he'd get in trouble. But she says that she's going to help him. And maybe this would have been nice if we would have known anything about her. But all we have is her changing opinions every five minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we see Ivanova come up on one ship out in space. They want to jam a signal so can't contact the others, and she violates orders by going after the ship. And back uh, to Med Bay, but <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so here we missed, like you said, we missed the whole battle where somehow or another her ship gets damaged and she's got to be rescued by the Azamoth. Now, I think that may be a little later, or am I getting... No, no, I think that was the thing, because what happens is she shoots down a couple of them, chases off, and then sees a whole fleet of others coming towards her and says something, I can't remember exactly what she said. And then we cut away and don't see her again. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a little... At the end. Yeah, that seems a little bit later. That's the next time we see oh, her. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, sorry. It's, it's fine. Just, they're so short. But, yeah. But, mm-hmm. And so little happens. Uh, yeah, you do... Get them mixed up, but yeah. <laughs> In Med Bay, Franklin and Hernandez begin the operation. Dr. Franklin actually says a prayer for the boy's spirit, saying, I that, was like, You did yeah. not just pray. Yeah. <laughs> so my prayer's got to be as good as theirs. So he does have some kind of religion. I'm still yeah. not sure on that one. Yeah, I'm not sure. Some well, people why would just... you pray if you didn't think it was actually. Well, because I think I think like kind of like he is using it because it's something that he's familiar with, but I don't think that necessarily he completely believes in it because of some of the things he says about um, God being invented and you know just sort of a couple other things he says. So I think that it's just what he grew up with. I mean, you know, like people that grow up with you know with a certain belief system probably unconsciously you know use that um so that's what i think it was but i i don't i don't like the fact that that just looked ridiculous to pray to you know to another god before you're performing surgery and <laughs> against the wishes of another religion is just to me that was ridiculous uh it's another example of him being critical in this episode um 
he talks about the his Hippocratic oath, but he's doing harm anyway. It's uh, I'm running out of words. I'm just running out of words. <laughs> You're just to gonna make sounds from now on. Can't express your hate anymore. <laughs> and then next is where we see Susan destroy that one ship, and then she detects a bunch of other raiders, and then she takes off. And back in Med Bay, we didn't actually see her destroy the other raiders. Right, we just saw them appear. Yeah. But she did get one yeah. ship before the other one showed up, didn't she? She got one, yeah. yeah. But it seemed that as if that was a decoy to get her into this trap. It would have been a much better episode if he had actually seen the consequences of this. <laughs> In the med bay, the boy's feeling a lot better after his surgery. He calls for his mother and father. Dr. Franklin assures him that he still has his spirit and... The boy's parents arrive, and they think their son is now a demon, and they leave upset, leaving the boy crying while the doctor comforts him. And they got mad that daddy pulled out a knife. The <laughs> way, demon. And my big complaint is this kid just had surgery, and uh, they, like, cut open his chest, and yet he is, like, up out of the bed and then down on the floor and Dr. Franklin is hugging him around the chest. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> well, he's not just hugging him. He's trying to stop him from running to his parents. Well, exactly. Yeah. But his, they, like, before that's where they cut him even, open. Yeah, before his parents even react badly to what's happened. So it's kind of somehow Franklin gets premature sentient uh, precognition, sorry, or telepathy knowing what the parents' reactions are going to be and holding the kid back before they react violently. Yeah, and Medi- the kid apparently feels no pain. Yeah. yeah. Medicine a, must be advanced. Cause last time I had... really good. Yeah. yeah. That, not advanced all this enough race, to not have to cut him open, but... Yeah, that all this race heals pain. really, really quickly. <laughs> In which yeah, case, yeah. why are they bothered about being cut open? Because uh, if they heal really quickly, early on in their race, they would have been cut open and then healed really quickly. Oh, oh, there's no problem there then. Uh, yeah, oh. Tell us oh. how you really feel, Ian. <laughs> uh, I'm going to back away from the mic a bit. I've just got to land out of screen. I'm sorry, I need him to head that out. It's going to be alright, Ian. <laughs> it's gonna be alright, Ian. We just cut you open. Is this your least favorite yeah. episode? He didn't used to be until Hattery. Until he had to talk about it. Yes, because I skipped over this episode so many times, I kind of forgot how bad it was. <laughs> Even when the Down Below podcast reviewed it and said that it's the worst episode as well, I thought, no, it wasn't that bad, was it? And then I had to review it for this week. It's just, yeah. Do you, you, um, you think that uh, you like infection better? Yeah, actually, infection is a bit better. Not by much, not but sure. it's better. Oh, just breathe, uh, Ian. Just breathe. We're almost yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're almost done. <laughs> Nearly there. <laughs> I really didn't think I'd get this angry about it. <laughs> So in Sinclair's office, Sinclair chews out Dr. Franklin saying he's playing God, but uh, Franklin... He has some quotable quote, 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 okay. 
don't yeah. know. Uh, they're uh, discussing it some more when Hernandez calls them both to med lab. And in med lab, the parents are there. They understand why the doctor did what he did, but they Oh, aren't. wait, question. Oh. Sorry. This is a logistical question. So when um, Hernandez came on the screen, did Sinclair have to answer a call? Or didn't she just pop up on the screen? I don't remember. Uh, Isn't that a bit intrusive? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> could just pop up and start looking into your quarters? Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were they in his quarters or in his office? No, they were oh, in his either office, way, you know. He, I, yeah, I uh, know what you mean. Because I had written down quarters, but I thought it was really his office. Yeah, it was his office. Okay. They're not allowed to take, not allowed to forgive him. They're going to take the boy with him, and Doctor Franklin says no, he needs to arrest the. But the parents say he will. Uh, Doctor Franklin wants to. Doctor Franklin wants an apology from Sinclair, but he doesn't get one. No, that's a fun scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he's one of those scenes that light up in this episode. <laughs> you mean so, Sinclair's response? Yeah. Yes. I didn't say it in case it was somebody. No, quote. no, no, I know. <laughs> um, so this was a little weird to me because Franklin sees the family walking through a core. Like, where did he come from? Did he come out of Med Bay? Or, um, the boy waves and says goodbye to Dr. Franklin. I don't know. At this point, is Franklin starting to get suspicious of something or what? He had this look on his face. But he didn't Maybe seem... because it was the like serious way the boy was waving, like resigned, kind of. Because the boy knew, I'm sure, yeah. what was going to happen. So in med lab, or yeah, med lab, Doctor Franklin is happy with the outcome. Hernandez has researched their people and their beliefs, and she shows this research to Doctor Franklin, and he sees something—the traveling robe, I guess it was—and takes off. He arrives at the family's quarters and discovers that they have killed the boy. And I remember on your commentary, you talked about the candles. That's something that yeah. gets me on TV shows. Whenever somebody lights candles, it's always like 50 candles. I know, it's my one. rating system. <laughs> and they all seem to be the same length as well. None no, no, they were all of... different lengths. They were all different lengths. I thought there was a load of tall ones and a load of small tea lights. Oh, I thought they were just very different different lengths. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they either were. I noticed some big ones, some small ones. So I didn't pause it or anything, but... Uh, yeah, well, neither yeah. did I. There could be one or the other, but... Yeah, there's yeah, never just right. one candle on a TV show or a film. It's always, like, 20 candles. Yeah. I, I <laughs> thought I had a, a lot of candles here, and I have, like, six or something. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw an outtake of a uh, reality TV series the other day where they had a load of candles. And they all caught fire together and just caused a bit of an explosion, apparently. So, wow. yeah, not a good idea to actually do this sort of set design. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah that everyone deep. seems to do it. Yeah. Well, what if we didn't get, like, a, any more B5 because they actually burned down the set and couldn't <laughs> afford to buy a new one? So next, uh, I think we're in the garden. Uh, Sinclair isn't going to ask for Franklin's resignation. He says Franklin should have never asked for a ruling, so he wouldn't have had to disobey it. Um, the doctor says he'll know better next time. What and does he have to do to get fired, I wonder? <laughs> yeah. He and doctor admits that he was arrogant and wonders if we'd be better if there were no God and we didn't care. 
Sinclair counters with, that's what makes us human. Franklin says, what makes us human is that we have so many different ways to hurt. Like, oh. Next, we see Bonneville arrive back at B5 with the Asimov. And I was, at this point, I was like, wait, do we miss something? <laughs> yeah, did I fall asleep for a second? Yeah. <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, very good. Oh. <laughs> Shall we go now? Um, oh. Garibaldi. Yes, I'm actually kind of welcome myself at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just put me in the chair, please. <laughs> yeah. Garibaldi gives her a hard time about the damage to her ship and breaking formations. He says it was an educated risk, and she sees a couple with their daughter. I think they were from the Asimov. Uh, says sometimes it works out, and Garibaldi says that sometimes it doesn't, and then he's going to fill her in on what happened while she was yeah, gone. This, this is just the last nail in the show's coffin, the awful costume they put that child in. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Is it no, worse than the crocheted um, tea cozy that the guy was wearing? <laughs> it was show? this red orange wrap thing with this oversized orange beret thing on her <laughs> head. It just looked awful. <laughs> so I didn't ever really consider Ivanova as like a super risk taker. Um, but I don't really understand that sh- that this wasn't educated risk. I mean, it seemed like there were quite a lot of the Raiders and just one of her. I don't know. I guess I'm not supposed to think about this. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. A note about that a little bit about her getting away. But at the end of the episode, we see Dr. Franklin alone stroking his goo. Mm-hmm. That's very mm-hmm. sad. And then we get the end credits. <sighs> so is Ivanova taking aboard a Raider ship and a hole put in her mind? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. She still seems no. to have her personality. <laughs> Nothing that interesting this you know, this time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so some notes. Uh, they got word back from their liaison with the network, and he said, number one, this is absolutely against the demographics of the show. Number two, no studio or network executive in his right mind would ever approve this story in a million years. Number three, it's a heck of a story, so let's do it. So they were really, you know, surprised and really grateful. And then Warner Brothers also signed off on it, allowing them to do this episode because of the ending. Well, oh, you mean the was everyone drunk the kid? that day? Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't be a big deal now, but back in the mid '90s, killing the child would be very controversial. Uh, I think still I suppose would be. that would have been, yeah. Was yeah. it controversial? I mean, was there any kind of backlash or i don't you know i don't remember hearing about any backlash I, I guess when i first watched this episode it probably shocked me but now i'm just kind of yeah. now we watch the walking dead and yeah the game of thrones <laughs> yeah. yeah so he kind of explained how ivanova got back from uh got away she was taking advantage of her lead and occasionally firing backwards to deter them from pursuing until she got to the jump gate wasn't really anything dramatically interesting and at this <laughs> at this point you would start distracting from the main plot and that couldn't be allowed to happen start distracting? <laughs> I don't that couldn't be allowed to happen? please, let it happen. <laughs> I thought that was the whole reason for it there's, it says there's no reason there's no place in the rest of that particular act you can cut in without destroying it 
and there's no room in the at the end for the pursuit, only the arrival. When did JMS actually make these comments? Yeah, I think it was. I guess maybe after the show aired, maybe after the sh- after okay, the show right. aired after the show aired uh, on the on the board. Yeah. Where, where all ah, the right. Were. So okay, that makes more sense. That so after, he, yeah. So after each episode. Yeah. Hmm. No one's had the time to really digest the episode yet, so <laughs> he, he's still able to view it as you know a worthwhile episode, I suppose. And nobody else knew what would come. No, they didn't. This is probably the the weakest B plot. I mean, by probably, I mean it is the weakest B plot we've seen so far. Oh, I think we've had plot? a couple small B plots, but this. I'm one... not sure it even qualifies as a, a B plot. Okay, a vignette. <laughs> yeah. An aside. He pointed out that the Paris weren't charged with murder because when a species acts against their own. And it doesn't affect any other species. They're judged by the laws of their own culture. So in their culture, what they didn't do was a crime. So there was no punishment. That's interesting. Which makes sense. Well, that also means that there's no, like, interplanetary laws on the... (laughs) You see, that uh, would have actually been the... Yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. You're right. I was going to say, that would have actually been an interesting thing to explore in an episode. Really, you could have had... The whole thing with the boy just take place in the first act, and then last two acts dealing with the fact that different races deal with their own in in the politics, and B five deals with interspecies politics, yeah. and actually show that in motion, and perhaps Franklin trying to have them charged with murder. Because he's not familiar, because he's so new to the station, not familiar with how the full charter works yet, and you know the consequences of that. That would have yeah, been interesting. Uh, excuse me. I mean, or would you have been screaming two episodes in a row? Is the question. Not saying make it a second <laughs> episode. I'm saying condense everything. Oh, in, condense it in, even in this more. Episode <laughs> down into one act. Get rid of all the superfluous stuff we get Mm -hmm. and make the last two two acts dealing with the fallout. Mm -hmm. Dealing with the fact that you've got this boy who's died as a consequence of Franklin's actions but at the direct hand of his parents. And does that come under the jurisdiction of interspecies um, politics, or does it come under the jurisdiction yeah. of the um, the race's own laws? Right. See, there there is this does remind of the remind me of the prime directive of uh, of Star Trek. Yes, yeah. a little bit. Uh, again, shades of Star Trek coming into the script. That yes, yeah. Alrighty, how about we get into some quotes? Our quotes of the week. Okay, um, because we've saved this one, I'll, I'll go first, and we can actually d- discuss it then. Yeah. Um, it's a cost quote. The alam- the avalanche has already started. It is too late for the pebbles to vote. Yeah, I took that to mean that yeah, he knew about what happened to him in the pilot, but as far as the pebbles. Boating. I wasn't sure what that part meant. Yeah, 
Well, Heidi and Melissa. And maybe you know there could be something I'm not remembering. Just... Yeah, what what did you take from that? Because I, I thought it was a nice cryptic one. I think that the it's too late for the pebbles to vote um, basically means that these people are kind of um, not, well, they're not on anybody's radar really because like Jakar said, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you just uh-huh. showed up. Um, so it's kind of a, a thing of um, like the higher ups, you know, the ambassadors and whoever is like in charge of things, which Kosh just really thinks is the Vorlons. Um, that they have kind of a say in things, but things are moving too fast for just, you know, the general population, I guess, to really be involved in any of this. That they'll just get swept up in the um, avalanche and Mm -hmm. have to survive the pull. Yeah, but they don't really have a choice in where this is going. Okay. Okay. Talking about specifically to this episode, because I wasn't sure, like, I don't know. Somebody said that they didn't think this was cryptic. Well, I completely do because I don't know what he means by the avalanche. Like, does he mean, is this, this is some, an overarching thing, like about the signs importance of the season? Like, is he saying this is all meaningless because of what's coming? Like, mm. I know that there's something coming and this kind of stuff is completely meaningless uh, because of what's coming. That's, that's kind of what I took to it. Doesn't mean it's not cryptic. Uh, I, I don't know what it means at all. Well, with Kosh, you can never really tell. He might be talking about lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I could be talking about specifically this, and, and it doesn't matter. I mean, but I didn't see this particular plot as being, I don't know, something that couldn't be stopped. I mean, it, Sinclair could vote whatever way he wanted. I, I don't know. It was still cryptic to me. And a really nice yeah, quote. Yeah, I think it was. Okay, I have one quote. It was Garibaldi. Sure is for people with nothing on the line. You and me, we just get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I only have one also. It's Ivanova. And I would have quoted the whole scene, but I didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> after that, maybe I'll paste Froin too, just for the kick of it. <laughs> yes. yes. Any others? Yeah. Oh, Elizabeth. No, go ahead, Yen. No, go, you go first. Okay. Um, uh, may God save us from false religion. Ah, good one. Yeah? And mine is, you better check the temperature on hell first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I do have one yeah. other one. It's another Ivanova one, unless someone else wants to take it. Nope, go ahead. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's the same scene from, well, our only scene with any substantial dialogue. Don't worry about me, I'll just sit here and knit something. Maybe a nice sweater. Some socks. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's just the image of a van of a knitting. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a couple that, to me, because I was trying to figure out, like, what Franklin believed. Like, because they brought it up a couple times and I was confused at first. And then I came, ended up coming to the conclusion that he doesn't necessarily believe in any one religion but um i i have maybe we'd all be better off if there was no god if god had never been invented and then people come to doctors because they want us to play gods Uh, that was a good good quote yeah ellipses if i have to claim the responsibility then i claim the authority too i did good Mm. i mean he had some interesting 
lines. I don't think that necessarily all congealed into like a one whole idea of who he is, but I mean, I think they had some interesting lines. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Oh, then I'm just like... feeling a nice sense of relief here. Uh, <laughs> it's over. Ian, calm uh, me down, finally. Almost, yeah, <laughs> almost. Uh, <sighs> let's move on to our characters of the week. And I didn't even write down any candidates, so <laughs> so start off with our human of the week. It's... I'm sorry, she's only in a mini vignette, but it really has to be a part of her. I don't think anyone else in this episode can claim any sort of coolness other than her this week. Well, I was going to pick Sinclair because I thought he made his decision from a sort of pragmatic point of view. Um, So I I guess I'll go with him. I'll go with Sinclair as well. Yeah, I think I was leaning towards Sinclair. I was happy with the with the way that he made his decision. And I don't really care this week, so <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> call it for Sinclair. How about Alien of the Week? Clopperhead. The Clopperhead. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I want to go with Sean. I like the yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like Sean. Right. Poor yeah. guy. I do, okay. I do. So Sinclair and Sean. So now let's do our episode ratings. You want to start out, Yan? Yes. I gave it six globbit uh, eggs from the planet's placebo. <laughs> Fun. How about you, Heidi? Um, it's really hard to rate. Um, I think, uh, so hard because it's like, I like the, topic and as you can all see we've talked for a very long time about this so it obviously you know gave us discussion and things to talk about um and it's not it's just that it's done really poorly (laughs) (laughs) so i guess i do have to go uh a bit below average because especially because of the horrible b plot that i wanted to see more of and get away from some of the A plots. So um, I'm going to go four out of ten industrial goose. Uh, you stole my rating. Uh... <laughs> well, the best rating system. <laughs> okay, how about you, Elizabeth? Well, I yeah, I agree with Heidi. Like, I like when they explore the bigger themes, and I like the idea of exploring this topic because, I mean, you have this rich tapestry or you have you just have a, a huge amount of different cultures that you can bring from the, in this show um i wish they had i again i wish we had known more about this culture or known some of the characters even the other doctor you know beforehand um you know it just rings a very special episode when they just bring these cultures that we've never heard of before and it's like okay this is going to have no effect on you know, the overarching plot. Um, but I did like the topic. So, um, and then, well, the B plot or vignette was just a load of crap. So, um, I don't know. I'll give it five and a half filicide candles packed in your luggage just in case. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about you, Ian? Well, as you can tell, I really, really love this episode. <laughs> it's really <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I can't even feign irony here, or not irony, sorry, uh, sarcasm. Can't even, 
even pick the right word because it makes me that mad. <laughs> um, and yes, I, I really intensely dislike this episode because I know, I, I think part of it is that I know the show can be so much better. Even in its first season, it has much better episodes and it can be so much more. And, ah, uh, really, I have to say half a point because this point, this show it is Babylon 5 at least. Um, half a point for the Ivanova scene and half a point for the scenes with the ambassadors. So yes, I'm afraid it's just going to be one, one and a half knitwears out of 10. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, I, yeah, it was a good moral story, I guess, but it wasn't anything original. Not that it has to be completely original, but I thought the parents were ridiculous and all the, stuff about their the egg and everything was ridiculous and the bottom of a story was pretty much meaningless so i gave it five out of ten traveling robes nice nice so, so our, is this our lowest rated yes it is our lowest rated, even worse than infection it gives a 4.3 mm-hmm. and even if i had rated a bit higher i think it would have been lower than infection uh man yeah, i have been so. about the same Sinclair's got Human of the Week three weeks in a row. What? Wow. Interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know you've got some theories about him, but yeah, he's a, he he is actually a pretty good actor with what it, the role he's trying to portray here. Mm-hmm. You've just got to you've got to think about you know he's going for a very specific thing here. And yeah, it might seem sometimes that the hole in his mind is his personality, but I, I think he's actually actively trying to portray that—that that he is a calm and reserved individual that rarely shows his emotions. I think that's a deliberate portrayal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when he shows, he shows it in in, in a very moderated way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Subtle, I would say. Hmm. Yeah. Let's get into feedback. Got a lot of feedback this week, folks. Thanks for sending in feedback. Yes, thanks, everybody. Let us start with Facebook feedback from Michael, who wants to read Michael's comment. Um, I'll take this one. Hey, guys, keep up the good work on your intro cast. I came across your podcast a few weeks ago and finally caught up. I have been a Babylon 5 fan since it came out in the 90s, and I'm always looking for B5 content and discussion. Some feedback for believers. This episode has an interesting concept, an examination of the kinds of difficulties one might face when facing a belief system radically different from your own. Alien cultures provide a convenient place to tackle this story in most sci-fi settings, but you could just as easily find examples from our own history. As far as the episode goes, I really disliked the way they decided to illustrate an alien belief system. I mean, an advanced alien culture that doesn't believe in surgery? Frankly, I find that so unbelievable as to be irritating. How could you even achieve a decent lifespan without modern medicine such as surgery? I mean, we saw it in this episode. A bright young man with a future is stricken with something that Dr. Franklin says is common for aliens like them and is easily correctable. How many bright young people in their society are killed by simple issues such as this? That may have turned into a rant, which, in fact, illustrates some of the issues the episode tried to confront, given how different my beliefs are from these aliens. 
overall, this is one of my least favorite episodes from season one for the reasons illustrated above and the fact that I don't remember a thing from the B plot line. Well, you can't really be blamed for that. Um, yeah, you can't be blamed for your rant either. You're not the only one. <laughs> right. Uh, Human of the Week, Franklin. Alien of the Week, Sean, I guess. Ratings, 5 out of 10 globs of industrial goo. <laughs> and okay. the, Bob commented on this. You want to read that, Ian? Or... Yeah, okay. There are first world human groups that don't believe in surgery, Jehovah Witnesses, or the use of drugs for medical purposes, Christian science. Actually, <clears throat> sorry, anti-vaccination groups, etc., I have seen examples of this firsthand among intelligent people. I don't think it's a stretch at all to think that alien cultures, which, sorry, which rate to be much different. Sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me at the moment. <laughs> which rate to be much different than we have on Earth would have similar issues. Even in our world, there are counterbalances of illnesses death caused by medical treatments, bot surgeries, whatever. There are people that refuse treatment for cancer knowing that it's going to they're going to die because the treatment is just not something they're willing to put themselves through. It's a legitimate issue, particularly in the context of the B five universe, although not one I particularly enjoy watching. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Uh, yeah. Interesting point, Sam. I'm going to read TJ's email because it's short and my voice is starting to go. <laughs> Hi there. While it's an episode of Great Franklin character development and Kosh has an appearance, the moral of the episode is sound. When do we step in with humanitarian aid as we see it versus how far do we respect the beliefs of others despite knowing contrary? This episode stuck home because Aaron and I were watching it around the time the Portland area was gripping with the faith healing stuff. I don't prefer to watch the episode again if I'm running through the series. It's one that I skip because Franklin is already developed for me and it's one cautiousism I have memorized. I've used it in the past to justify or rationalize things to people. The avalanche has already started. It is too late for the pebbles to vote. So that's my feedback, TJ. Thanks, TJ. Cheers. Uh, who else to read email from Victor? No one? Elizabeth, are you still here? Oh. Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Looks like you're still here on the call, but... We could just go ahead with the uh, feedback or we could try and get Elizabeth through. If we still need you, uh, your guys' predictions. See if he sent a message. Oh, that was Heidi. Oh, she's here. She said I'm here, and uh, we can't hear you. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go on with feedback. Okay, I'll read. Uh, I will read Victor's. <laughs> when you try to hit home runs, you're going to strike out some. Babylon <laughs> Five hit a lot of home runs, but Believers was one of the times it whiffed. <laughs> Briefly put, an alien child needs surgery or he will die, but his loving parents refuse to allow the surgery because of their religious belief. This is another retelling of the science versus religion debate, and I personally will not step into that minefield. After much hand-wringing, Dr. Franklin decides that despite the parents' concerns, he must save the boy's life. Imagine that, a doctor who thinks he knows what's best. <laughs> 
I am never wrong about these things. Despite their objections, he goes ahead with the procedure and heals the boy. Predictably, the parents are horrified and reject their own child. So far, this is only a mediocre to bad episode. It could have ended with the parents abandoning their child, leaving him to be raised in the alien foster care system. But just in case we haven't got the message yet, they decide to beat us over the head with it by having the parents kill their son. I may not be the most perceptive person in the world, but even I don't have to get hit by a truck. (laughs) This ending was overkill and leads me to wonder why they even made this episode. It didn't advance the story or develop any characters. We learned a bit about Dr. Franklin, but he didn't really do anything that we wouldn't expect from someone who was sworn to uphold the Hippocratic Oath. I have seen this story done far better and with more subtlety in non-genre shows like L.A. Law. So far, this is the worst episode of B5 I have seen. No spoilers here. There may be worse episodes in the next four seasons, but off the top of my head, I can't think of one. I would rather sit through Infection again than rewatch Believers. Uh, the bad news is, this one gets only four frustrated Ivanovas out of ten, and even those points are only due to her adventures. The good news is that after this episode, there is nowhere to go but up. Regards, Victor. Hey, thanks, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Yay! <laughs> You're back. I unplugged and replugged in my microphone. Oh, good. Nice. So you um, want to read Lori's email, Elizabeth? Sure. Yes. Um, hi, ambassadors. I have mixed feelings about this episode. You and everybody else, Lori. <laughs> I did not really like the parents, or at least how the actors portrayed them. They seemed much too human and not alien enough. Their extreme religious views may seem a bit far-fetched for so far in the future, but I am inclined to overlook that for the story, as it is not very different from some religious extremists today who refuse modern-slash-scientific medicine. Very sad, but true. Also, since they do not have a diplomat or representative on the station of their race, we really don't know for sure if they are representative or are of an extreme sect. I do like seeing War Franklin again and his unwavering, skeptical point of view. The quote about the egg being from the planet Placebo was great. I am wondering how Heidi will feel about this one, as she was predicting to see a different side of Franklin at some point. Heidi, any comments on that? Well, we saw more of his arrogance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it kind of was nice to see him falter a little bit, because as I have said previously, he seemed like one of those characters that was just too good to be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Continuing. I agree with both Franklin's and Sinclair's decisions, though both were very difficult. If it had been a human child, then Sinclair should have definitely sided with Franklin. But since it would have been seen as interference in an alien culture, I think he made the only diplomatically correct solution. Also, loved how each ambassador excused themselves from the controversy. Jakar wanting to get something out of it, Londo citing Koss, Delenn her own belief system, and Kosh with a great quote. There was not too much to the B-plot, but it was nice to see Ivanova doing something different. Alien of the Week, Sean, Human, Franklin. Thanks, guys. Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Lori. I like her point about, you know, we don't really know if they were an extreme, if they're representative of their race or if they're from an extreme. Yeah, you're right there. We only get an example of one family. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I guess I just interpreted it as it was their entire culture, but yeah. I guess it could have just been a portion of that of their culture because they were talking about their doctors and stuff but i guess that could just mean their yeah their religion's doctors yeah well and and if they know that like that they won't have surgery or whatever then why even come to babylon 5 if they've got doctors that will perform the things that they're allowed to perform 
maybe uh, it's just kind of desperation on their part that they want to try and do anything they can to keep their child, but they're not willing to put, set aside their own beliefs. Uh, the other point was if if they uh, had different belief systems on their planet, why wouldn't they go there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps they already have, and no one there can do what they want to do. No one there has a solution that doesn't involve surgery. So they're thinking, oh, perhaps another race does. That's a possibility. Yeah, okay, we have, I think, our last email from Jason. Who wants to take Jason's email? Uh, might as well. Okay. It's another short one. So Jason says, I like the story and themes of this episode. They weave concept of belief throughout the episode. It has some serious issues with pacing. The acting of two alien actors seems stilted, but I think that's on purpose. I don't understand why they got an audience with Kosh. It was a good opportunity to see how each ambassador responds and gets more vague wisdom from Kosh. The Ivanova storyline seems like Star Trek style filler. I appreciate what a, a character moment it is for Sinclair to come visit the sick kid and make his decision. The episode doesn't seem to take sides and keeps both of them sympathetic throughout. My personal beliefs bring me squarely down on Franklin's side, and a real-life stories like this make me rage. But the episode makes me feel enough to do at least temper this reaction. And the last scene with the parents is devastating. I think it took me several watches to understand the kid would have known what the travelling robe was for. Uh, So when he waves goodbye to Dr. Franklin, he knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, that's what I took from it too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is why we... Yeah, thanks, Jason. I think this is why we um, gave Sean... you know, alien of the episode because he, you know, he was a good child actor. He was able to convey that. Oh, cool. Once again, thanks for all the feedback, everybody. If you want to send feedback, send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com. And I'm going to challenge someone to send in audio feedback because I have this new fancy audio setup that allows me to do stuff like this. Never say never. <laughs> never, never, never. Hey. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so the next episode is titled The Survivors. I don't know if we can do predictions. Have y'all watched it yet? No. No. Uh-uh. Okay. Okay, so right. I did kind of spoil you earlier. I didn't mean to, sorry. No, I thought you I... had watched it because we're recording tomorrow. No, I haven't. Um, I don't remember. I, I, really, I really didn't mean to do that. Uh, I was kind of caught up in, you know, my rage over this episode, I suppose. Honestly, I didn't pick up like anything from what you said to remember for the next yeah, episode, so I'm, it's fine. Okay. Um, so for for the next one, I'm gonna say um, outwit, outplay, outlast. Really? <laughs> Survivor. Oh, <laughs> so there's a they they there's like a, a space station game, <laughs> and they yeah. they separated the tribes. That would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> but but really, I think. It's, Probably um, 
maybe some survivors from like a, I don't know, maybe a planet explodes or a um, civilization has uh, been at war and these are like the last remaining survivors from that race. And I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I would, I would actually, I love to have it mean that we get to see what happened to Babylon 4, but I don't think that will happen so soon. So, um, I, yeah, I kind of agree with Heidi that it will be the survivors of some kind of, uh, cataclysmic event or genocide or some kind of catastrophe, and they will have to come to Babylon 5, and then some kind of trouble will occur with a clash of cultures or, something with the survivors um or maybe it'll be some kind of like one of those no it can't be two medical episodes in a row (laughs) so (laughs) well well, yeah go ahead yeah i was gonna say what characters do you think we'll see next week or tomorrow hopefully (laughs) all of them yeah let's hope because the ambassadors didn't i mean they were each in it but for like a brief moment so i'm hoping all of them yeah Including the uh, the aides, Natoth and yeah, Veer, Veer and the other one, <laughs> uh, Lanier, yeah, uh, and Kasha's mysterious aide that we don't know about. Um. <laughs> probably in his suit. <laughs> yeah, it's probably also in his suit. Yeah. Uh, Maybe yeah. that's what he was talking about. Maybe he was talking about pebbles in his aide. <laughs> <laughs> the avalanche of spiders, and they're all. Spiders or pets. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I did have an overall question, though. I mentioned to Heidi uh, a while, a little bit ago, um, on Facebook that I came up with a sort of new prediction um, that I thought maybe the hole in Sinclair's mind was related to the Membari leader that died um, during the the war, and there is some connection maybe between him dying and his soul maybe. And what happened to Sinclair? That's uh, just a weird prediction I have. I like it. Thank you. I don't know. I just like, uh, I was like, there has to be some kind of connection with the Membari, and maybe there's some reason they brought this up, but I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of out there. But it came to me, so I had to bring it up. Um, this episode did not bring up any new <laughs> um, overall predictions for me. Yeah, but it does seem like they are really addressing belief systems and, and stuff in this show. Mm-hmm. Which so, I like. I yeah, like no, seeing I, that explored. For sure. Not necessarily in this way, but... Mm-hmm. So hopefully... And then, of course, there's cautious cryptic comment about the avalanche. Mm-hmm. So to, to me, that just is more related to the signs and portents than it is to this particular episode. Um, though I don't know if that's true. Um... So there, to me, there's just something big coming, some kind of big, you know, showdown or something that we've not yet heard of that's coming. Um, that's got to be bigger than any war between two planets that have happened so far than Earth Membari or the Centauri Narn or whatever. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't really have anything. Well, maybe the next episode will give you a bit more to chew on. Oh, good. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> what if it doesn't? That would seem a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, then. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us once again. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Are you going to join us for the next episode? 
Yeah, it's in one week or tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all, all is relative, isn't it? Yeah. So where uh, can we yeah. find you on the internet again? You can find me at www.babylonlurker.net slash blog. And you can find me as Babylon Lurker at, uh, on Twitter. And you can also find me on the Facebook group for this show. Awesome. Cool. Very nice. Were you about to say something, Ian? I was just going to say thank you, everyone, for letting me vent this week. <laughs> I'm so sorry I had to put you through that. It made it much more enjoyable. <laughs> All right, Ian. Just got to get it out so you can enjoy the next episode. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. So that's all we got today, everyone. Thanks for listening. And until next time, take care. Goodbye. Bye now. Bye. Bye. As long as you love me, I'll be platinum, I'll be silver, I'll be gold. As long as you Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.